Hi, everybody. I'm Jaden Doye, and I'm delighted that you've joined me for this episode of the Long Quarter Podcast. I'm known as the Traveling CPA, and I've dedicated my professional life to helping firm owners reach new heights and catch more flights. I believe that you don't have to be tied to a desk seven days a week to have a profitable firm. That's why I'm here, bringing ideas and information that can help you create a first-class firm that pays you the salary you deserve and provides you with the lifestyle you desire. Today, I want to talk about organizing your firm. Having an organized firm is very important because as you grow and scale, you want to know what direction you want to grow in, what roles need to be hired next. And the easiest way to organize the people, the human capital in your firm is by use of an organizational chart. An organizational chart is a diagram that shows the hierarchical relationship of job positions within any organization. The most common type of organizational chart is a pyramid style. This shows the CEO at the top and employees below them. Other types of organizational charts include the matrix style, and this is with employees working on multiple projects, and then the flat style where there's no hierarchy. Organizational charts can be used to manage and plan the organizational's resources, not only money, but time. As you know, in a law firm, tracking time is very important, especially when you bill by the hour. Organizational charts can be used for training and development purposes to show how different jobs relate to each other and identify areas to which improvement is needed. If you are one that does not like to do a lot of training, you want to make it very clear to new employees of the hierarchy of your firm. Who is the person that they should report to? Who is their direct report? And who are the team members that work directly with them in order to complete their assignments? Roles that you need to think of having on your organizational chart include the following. Attorneys will include partners, associates, and contract lawyers. Then consider having a legal assistance department. This includes law clerks, paralegals, and legal secretaries. And then the next department will be your support staff. This will be your IT support staff, your marketing lead, and your executive secretary. These nine roles that I've named are very important to have in the organizational chart, in addition to the chief legal officer. Too often do I meet firm owners who call themselves a CEO, a chief everything officer. If you want your firm to grow and scale, then you will have to delegate You cannot do everything and expect your firm to grow rapidly 
because your time is pretty limited. Think about it. You have operations, you have paperwork, you have licensing, continuing legal education, business development, relationship building, court. There's so many different things that have to be done. One person cannot do it all and have a large firm. So let's talk about standard operating procedures. So if your firm has high turnover, I guarantee it will take new hires longer to become equipped to the point to where their performance is proficient if you do not have standard operating procedures. Standard operating procedures are also called SOPs. And these are processes that assist with preventing errors, they promote efficiency, and they give a clear direction for employees to complete their task. Every law practice should have SOPs, no exceptions, even if you are a solo firm. This actually reduces the risk of inconsistencies, inefficiencies, and unforeseeable mistakes. Even though it can take time and effort in the beginning, establishing this blueprint for the staff to operate under will actually increase productivity and help your firm actually spend less time on tasks that they have to do over and over again. I'm going to talk about seven different SOPs that I think every law firm should have documented. So the first one is setting up client files and a client profile. So what happens when you obtain a client, you finally get someone that says, I want to work with you. What, what happens then? You should document what forms they need to fill out. What is your standard engagement agreement? All of the contact information that needs to be collected. If there's contact information for other parties that need to be collected, you even need to have a standard on how you perform conflict checks. Now, big firms deal with this quite often. Smaller firms, not so much. However, you may be a small firm today, but years from now, that may change. So you want to, from the beginning, have a procedure regarding conflict checks. You should also have a procedure regarding how you will set up your initial meeting or meetings. Will they use a link or will your assistant schedule that? Having those things will make it very easy for you to delegate this role of client onboarding to your support team. Let's talk about retainer acceptance. Now, I know a lot of people despise having an IOTA account because it is so much to keep up with. That's what I hear all the time. However, 
if you have standard procedures regarding managing this, it'll make it easy for you. In addition to having legal specific software to help you keep track of not only your IOTA account, but the subsidiary ledgers associated with it. So from the initial acceptance of the retainer down to closing out the account, um, correcting errors, providing a refund, all of that needs to be documented. So consider creating a retainer checklist. And you'll have the procedures for the following written down. Depositing the funds, reconciling the account, paying your firm invoices from that IOTA account once you've actually earned it, of course, making any other necessary withdrawals from the account, closing the trust account. All of those things need to be properly documented. This will reduce your risk and as you know, reduce the chance that you'll lose your license for making a simple banking mistake. Hey, it's Jaden here taking a quick break. Thanks for listening this far. I just wanted to let you know about the Law Firm Growth Toolkit I've put together. You can actually download it now at www dot law and quarter dot com this toolkit will provide you with the resources needed to start making strides towards creating the firm of your dreams the third is invoicing or billing this is the one duty that most law firm owners that I meet dread the most. I don't know if it's because of the numbers or because it can be tedious, but it's required, of course, if you want to get paid and get paid on time. If you don't have a, a SOP on this and you don't have a streamlined process, it can actually cause you to close your business because I'll take you down the domino effect. If the billing doesn't get out on time, then people don't pay on time. If they don't pay on time, then you cannot pay your bills. If you cannot pay your bills, then there is a chance that you will have to close your business. So taking out the time to create a billing SOP will be very important. I would also recommend using a specific a specific legal time tracking and billing system. This will eliminate having to do a lot of the manual work. And I also recommend billing every week. Do not wait until the end of the month to send out bills. Because your clients might have a lot of bills that they have to pay at the beginning of the month. So consider creating a standard operating procedure for progress billing. 
As you are making progress on the different cases, you want to make sure that if their retainer balance is low, that it gets filled within a good amount of time. Don't wait until there's only $5 left. Based off of your firm and your billing practices, find out what the threshold will be. For some people, they will have their clients replenish their retainer when it gets below a thousand. For some people, it's five thousand. It all depends on how money flows in your firm. The next thing you want to create a SOP for is monthly reporting. In order for you to grow your practice, you have to know how your firm performs every month. So you need to have standard procedures on when you will receive reports, what reports you will receive, and how you will review them, and what actions you will take after you have reviewed those reports. So reports that you want to think about getting are marketing reports, So looking at how much you're spending on maybe Facebook or Google ads, what that return on investment looks like, how many leads did you get from that? You want to consider your profit and loss, your balance sheet, of course, that's on the financial side. And then from the operation side, you should look at a report reviewing everyone's time. Where are most of your team members spending most of their time? You can tell if maybe cases that you thought would only take 10 billable hours. If you see that there's 20 billable hours applied to this case, then you have to think about it. What is causing the discrepancy? Is it that maybe the client withheld certain information in your initial consultation that then required more work? Or did you not do a good enough analysis upon retaining that client in the first place? Meaning you need to make changes to how you go about your initial consultation and your discovery process. Or is it that the timekeepers that are working on this case need additional training? Maybe they're, maybe they need checklists to assist them in streamlining their process. But the action that you take will all depend on the reason to which the discrepancy is there in the first place. And if you don't have a report, then you won't know the discrepancy. You want to also have a SOP on closing a file. So when you are done working with a client, how do you properly offboard a client? So how do you return original documents? How will you send a notification that the matter is closed? How will you advise the client on next steps to take? How will you ask the client to complete satisfaction surveys? Do you have a system to ask for referrals? And how will you send the final invoice? 
These are things to think about when creating your client offboarding or file closing standard operating procedure. The next one that you want to think about are your security procedures. Solo practices have to be very diligent about cybersecurity. There's a lot of valuable and private data that you have that needs to be protected. So putting processes in place to promote security procedures actually helps small law firms meet their ethical duties. Now that we are in an environment where we work virtually, what policies and procedures do you have surrounding equipment? Is there a document that new employees have to sign? Are they able to use their own computer and log into a remote desktop? Or do you provide them with a computer? If they get fired, do they keep the computer? Do they return the computer? Your course of action will actually make the difference between a safe law firm environment and a potential breeding ground for cyber attacks. What is the actual standard software that you will use to protect your system against malware and hackers? It's your duty to keep all of the data private and you could successfully meet this responsibility with a comprehensive cybersecurity SOP. The last procedure that I want to talk about are the virtual work procedures. Now, maybe 10 years ago, this wasn't as popular as it is now, but now that many people are working from home, it's important to create procedures around virtual working. And for those that do decide to come into the office, what requirements do they have? Are there hand sanitizers available? Do you require vaccination? So many different things you have to worry about in regards to protecting your team against COVID-19. But also, how do you protect your team from having a computer that's a breeding ground for hackers? What are the communication expectations? What hours will they work? How will they work from home and keep client information confidential? These are all things to think about as it pertains to creating procedures for a virtual work environment. Thanks so much for listening to the Law & Quarter podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website at www.lawandquarter.com for more show notes and additional episodes. If you have time, subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing the show. That will help other people find us. Again, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Law & Quarter podcast.